Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 37 of Nutanix Weekly. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got uh, Harvey and Jaira, of course. Harvey, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Are you are you back home? I just saw you like an hour ago here in I, the office. That's right. <laughs> you must drive. For uh, work, work from anywhere means work from actual anywhere. Of late, it's just been work from home or work from the office. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'm kind of flexing it. <laughs> well, it's, been good to, it's been good to see you. Speaking of offices, Jaira is still in his. Still in mine. Uh, trying to get rid of it. We got got plans. We'll probably meet, we'll be moving in January. So um, beginning or end? Um, beginning. House is house is uh, under contract. We're under contract. Now we're in the. Now we get to look for rentals to get us through till our other new construction's done. So. Oh man. Yep, it's always fun. Cool. We're past the part where I have to surprisingly hop in the car and podcast from there uh, with you know little to no warning. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fun, though. I'm not saying it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. That was like uh, being like old school, like Lucy. I love Lucy, where the car, you can tell they're sitting in a stationary car, but the, the background's moving. And uh, just to give it the idea that they are actually going somewhere. Next time I'll get the fake fake uh, green screen going. Yeah, with like an old old time movie rolling behind me. I just like you had your seatbelt on the whole time. Gotta, yes. Got to safety first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know who's going to run into you. Uh, and oh you seem to have one hand on the wheel the whole time while you were, and I swear a couple of times you were messing with the radio or something. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't looking for better content. Believe me. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't blame you if you were. Uh, all right. Well, we're lucky enough today to have Dave Weber with her. Dave, Dave is a special guest and Dave is a Nutanix uh, sales engineer on the healthcare side, I believe. Right, Dave? That is correct. Yes. And Dave's office is nice and neat, so I don't think he's moving anytime soon. But uh, maybe. <laughs> Actually, no, that is incorrect. We're uh, we we closed on a house next week, and we move a couple weeks after here in Portland. So. Yeah, my office will actually be way better. It, it's clean right now because I had to start packing. Yeah, no, it looks great. Looks yeah, I was going to say it's very organized. <laughs> All right, so what's up? Uh, I know uh, I know Jaira's moving to get closer to family. Are you moving for why? Um, my wife and I, we, we've decided to set down roots here in Portland now that we're here. Uh, you know, we, with Nutanix, I jumped from the Durham office, which is where I met Jaira, oh. uh, down to South Florida to work the commercial role down there, which is where I met Harvey. And yeah. then finally, I said, I can't, we, we couldn't do South Florida. We weren't Florida people. So the healthcare position opened in PAC Northwest. And my wife was like, if you don't apply for this job, I will leave you. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's uh that's motivation. It is. Yes. Is she good at describing HCI infrastructure? Maybe she would have wanted the role. <laughs> no, but you know she's an epidemiologist, so I mean she kind of folds into what I do, sort of. She's had a busy couple of years. <laughs> just just arguing with family, you know, like yes, do these things, but no, she doesn't study. She didn't get in on the uh, COVID study. She does uh, HIV, HIV research. Oh, cool. So, that's a, I mean, honestly, yeah. that's also probably about to get pretty interesting, right? There's a lot of mRNA uh, surface area there as well, actually. There is. Yeah. Yeah. So the company she works for, it's a smaller company and they, they basically build software to help with these studies. So they're kind of like the HCI of health of uh, epidemiology. There you go. Nice. Nice segue. Full, full points. That is a nice segue. Um, I'll, I'll try by doing this um, 2002 timeframe, maybe four. I'm meeting with 
lots of companies, healthcare specifically, and they're you know questioning the idea that virtualization can work in something so so um, hard to uh, be relevant in something as, as difficult as healthcare technology. This is 2004, 2005, 2006 timeframe uh, with mm-hmm. the idea that machine virtualization wasn't going to be good enough. They had to have dedicated servers for every or cluster of servers, like literally a cluster of servers for applications that were healthcare related. And then you fast forward a handful of years, let's say five or less even, that now everything's virtualized and the the Cerners, the McKesson, the Epics of the world all embraced because they knew they had to the virtualization world when at first they were like under the mindset that that wasn't going to work for them. It could work for everybody else, but not for them. And uh, that similar conversation, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years ago around hyperconverge and Nutanix specifically, you know, the healthcare applications weren't the first to line up. Uh, but then at some point they became one of the best use cases for hyperconverge because of the simplicity, the management, the speed, all the things that go along with hyperconverge. Is that is that how you guys saw it unfold, or is it different the way you guys saw it unfold? So a little bit different. We still have customers that are on physical. Uh, believe it or not, we're we're still fighting that whole "why do you want to go virtual" thing. Uh, but it, the conversation has changed a little bit, and unfortunately, we're doing a lot of this moving from. Um, you know, into that space of, oh, let's talk cloud, let's talk this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the same reason that we went through, you know, that every company is going through this, right? That they're starting, they started to virtualize and now we're looking at HCI and we do have a lot of healthcare applications running on Nutanix, whether, you know, they're tier one, tier zero, tier two, et cetera. Uh, we have customers that are running their Epic EHR on Nutanix. Uh, some of them are actually using our hypervisor for that. Uh, we have a lot of customers that are starting to run their, the, we've had customers running PAX workloads on Nutanix, but we have more and more starting to embrace it and bringing along the event, the PAX software vendor and saying, hey, we want to run this on AHV. We're tired of paying ESX every year. We're already going Nutanix. Yeah. Let's put this on HV. So that's where they're going with that too. What's the uh, what's the number one technology argument they give for keeping it physical? And then how in the world are they ever going to get the cloud if they keep it physical? <laughs> so the number one, this is this is where um, I've been very thankful for some of Jira's training uh, here at Nutanix. Uh, we do a lot of throughput and IOPS talk uh, so at times here in healthcare because it, at the end of the day, you know you those critical healthcare applications, when you have a patient in there and a doctor with the patient or a surgeon with the patient, you know, they need to get that information quickly. They need to pull up those x-rays quickly, et cetera. So being able to do that on a, at, at, at a quick speed is critical. Now, you know, we, we have a lot of customers coming from, you know, they're like, oh, well, everything lives on that physical side. So that's the fastest it could possibly be. No, we can get faster because I can go ahead and throw, you know, several nodes at this workload and, you know, then we're starting to use those nodes and those disks to up the amount of IOPS that you can get help with that throughput. And then they start saying, oh, well, what if we go down this route of, you know, uh, this NVMe route or this Intel Optane route? And I'm like, well, now we're smoking fast. Right. So we have a lot of customers that are starting to look at that and saying, well, let's just go ahead and start right out of the gate with NVMe. So the argument that you can be faster than physical, say that one again. 
So yeah, it, it literally just comes down to the argument of we can be faster than physical. Uh, and now it is a tough argument to have as Jaira will, will, will attest to. We've done it many, many times. But at the same time, when we're talking about, okay, so I've got, let's say I take uh, an epic workload and I've got three nodes just dedicated to ODB, uh, the database, then those three nodes are only going to be participating in that. We put NVMe behind it. And it's just going to make everything faster because the more that you throw at those NVMe nodes, the harder they're going to work and the faster they're going to be able to process that information. Mm-hmm. So I probably should back up here. This is a uh, blog by Dan Cowan. Uh, the name of it's uh, why HCI Nutanix. And, and I, I like the way he's going there. He's talking about HCI in general, but Nutanix specifically truly is a great fit for healthcare applications. And he really calls out three areas that, that I think Dave has kind of touched upon just now in his uh, synopsis on on why. Uh, the first one is simple and highly available, solving a bunch of problems while without creating problems. Jaira, you want to jump in on that one? Yeah, I think the highly available, right? That's the, that might add some of the color that maybe maybe you and Dave were sort of hitting, hinting at or, or talking past each other, right? Like faster than physical, right? Asterisk. Because in theory, what's faster than non-redundant? probably nothing redundant, uh, right? Just in, in a computer science fashion, if I'm going to make it redundant, I have to pay some sort of cost for that. But when we can, you know, use data locality, right? Read locally off, like like they've said, like a, off of an NVMe drive with a read path that doesn't even leave the box. Well, now I haven't compromised your read integrity and I can write as fast as anything else in the world that is also redundant. And now you've gained redundancy in that design, right? If, if you're in a, I must be bare metal mindset because it's got to be the fastest and I don't care about redundancy. Yeah. Interesting choices, yeah. right? Not, not very many enterprise apps fall into that space. Um, right. Put it that way. But yeah, when we can give that, you know, um, raw performance that even lets customers, you know, gain speed enhancements when the industry ships hardware speed enhancements, right? Cause bam, you know, add new nodes, expand cluster done, right? It's pretty easy. Um, I don't need to wait for a new like physical controller to hit the market that then you know joins my storage fabric and gets zoned in. No, none of that, right? Just add nodes, boom, there's the speed. Yeah. You know, I just had something pop into my head one time. I was talking to someone about American muscle cars versus European sports cars. And the co- argument was European sports cars were faster. And they're right, really, when you start thinking about the fact you do have to make turns. It's not just a drag race for a quarter mile. Uh, <laughs> when you start thinking about the reality of what the road looks like, yeah, I guess a six uh, a six cylinder European sports car that outhandles a muscle car is technically faster, even though set the both of them beside each other on a dyno, and you're gonna get more horsepower out of the muscle car. All, all how you want to test it, right? Like I've, I've gone to some drag races, right, with some amazingly impressive stuff that was blindingly fast over you know that quarter mile. Maybe would have lost a lot of speed by mile two, right? So let's think about what the use case is. Um, you know, and how we want to actually drive the car. I think you'd be run out of gas. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, well, you know, who cares? You know, we're blowing heads, you know, pistons. We don't need an exhaust system. <laughs> right. right. Well, that's the other conversation too. If you, if it's not efficient, right? You, you can add speed and simplicity all at the same time and yet still be efficient. All of a sudden that equals faster if you look at it throughout the life cycle of what you're trying to do. Absolutely. I mean, that same uh, that same dragster's got to have a truck at the end of it to pull it backwards or something to turn it around to get it back to the other end of the mm-hmm. other end of the drag strip. It can't even turn itself around. 
Well, to, right. to really painfully stretch an analogy, right? Like, you know, you, you hit, you hit, you go past the quarter mile mark, you hit like 0.3 miles, 0.4 miles, you blow a tire, right? Yep. The beauty of like, here's a real tangent for us. The beauty of like inbuilt inherent, like ransomware protection is I go back in time just before the tire blew and I make different decisions. Yep. I recover that car while we're driving down the road. Right. And that's like not a normal, you know, quarter mile dragster feature. <laughs> But if you've got Can't it, you're having it. <laughs> there you go. There, put the tired analogy to bed. <laughs> I don't know how old you guys are, but this is not dissimilar to me when I first started my IT career, spending all evening building a server just so I could make a change to it and try to break it and then have to rebuild it again, being up all night versus virtualization where I get it to a point, snapshot it, go break it, put it back, snapshot it, you know, go back to the snapshot. I don't know how old some of our listeners are. I don't know how old you guys are, but man, that building a server on bare metal and then try and intentionally to break it to see what would happen. Uh, that was almost insanity. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, maintaining a, yeah. a, like for like prod and lab environment, you know, prod and test environment way harder, right? In the physical world. I, yeah. I think we're all old enough to have that terrible memory. <laughs> uh, let me, let me make mine worse. Uh, my first laptop, I ordered it with NT 4.0 on it. <laughs> had, Fancy. I had six or so floppy disk. I would use to install it. And then I would have to start a download over my modem overnight to download a, a service pack. And it was literally about three days before I could get it back to where I had it before I broke it. And then I would try to break it again to see if I could figure out what would happen. You have inserted a USB device. Please restart. I bought a, I bought a new laptop last week and I literally just cloned my desktop computer onto the laptop and kept on working. Like, yeah. bam, you know, now I'll just duplicate my already set up, ready to go work right. environment. It was, it was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, the idea that simple and highly available can be or is better and possibly faster, have we covered that? I think so. And especially for highly available, the other thing that I'd like to say to that, you know, so a lot of times if you talk to any of our healthcare customers about how they've been doing things, uh, so let's say they have a patient come in in the middle of the night, but that's the same time that the PAX environment is supposed to go down for updates. Well, how do you handle that here at Nutanix? It's a completely different ballgame. We can go ahead and start doing those updates on our OS, our hypervisor, firmware, et cetera. And that PAX environment can stay up and running. So those patients that are coming in in the middle of the night are still getting the same services in the middle of the day. Yeah. And then you've got a short little period of update when the when the time comes on, you got that last note or two to update. Is that what you're saying? I mean, even then, everything should stay up and online for them. So. Yeah. Inf infrastructure that doesn't ask you for maintenance windows. Pretty, pretty game changing. Yeah. 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 And I'm, and I'm thinking through that. I literally had flashbacks to that moment of having to come in at two o'clock in the morning and do an upgrade and just hope like hell it worked. Uh, if it didn't work or didn't come back up, um, I was going to be there for a very long time and have a bunch of unhappy people in a couple hours. Absolutely. I've uh, I've definitely had at least one of the stories where they come in the next day and say, uh, you had that on yesterday and your car has frost all over it. What happened? <laughs> Man, I, uh, I, I just have flat that that's about as bad as having that constant dream where you don't have your report or whatever done, or there's an exam at the end of the year and you didn't study or you went all <laughs> semester and didn't go to a class. All right. Well, next, uh, no, number two on this list is handle growth. Um, let's give Dave, our guest, the first opportunity to help us understand what this section means. 
Sure. So, and the easiest way to handle this, to talk about this. So one of the EHR vendors out there, uh, one of the biggest ones that's out there every year, every couple of years, they're going to come in and they're going to say, Hey, uh, especially for the VDI portion of their software, you have to upgrade to this new processor. If you want to add more people, this is how many more nodes you're going to add, et cetera. And they basically lay that foundation for the customer. For the customer, then they just come to us and they say, hey, this is what they're telling us. What do we need to do? We need to add X amount of new users. So, you know, I just went through this exercise with one of my customers in Idaho. I've got another one in Montana that's going to be doing the same thing in about two years. And at that point, it literally becomes, okay, so we can run on some of this older stuff. But if you want to stay with on their honor roll, then what we're going to have to do is replace this with these newer processors. And to do that is a lot easier in the past than it used to be. So, okay, yeah, we want to add more users. Okay, so we get about 80 users per node. Just add one more node if you're adding 80 users. Uh, if you're adding 160, we add two more nodes, three more nodes, et cetera. Just keep moving that way. And then when it comes time to replace that hardware, it's just a matter of adding the new hardware into that cluster and ejecting the old hardware out of it. So that way there's no giant lift and shift like there has been in the past either. When I think about a lot of my customers, right, our discussions center around budget cycles and annual stuff and planning. And you probably get a lot of that, Dave, but also is there more like this project is tied to this funding or grant or initiative, right? And it's less convenient to sort of forecast well, we're buying this thing now, but next year it needs to do X, but the money for that comes next year, right? Is that Does that unlock more freedom for your customers to be like, well, we'll just buy it then and scale then, and it's easy? At times, yes. Uh, healthcare has started moving in a different way here in the States, as we all are very well aware. Uh, so it's it's a lot more business transactional than it has been in the past. And we have a lot more customers now, you know, for, for us with the COVID hit, especially out here in the West, uh, we've had this issue of, oh, well, we've lost all our elective surgeries, so these things have gotten pushed off. But as long as we're they're, they've got money coming in and they're profitable, they're doing everything the same, same way as enterprise or commercials doing at this point. So guys, one of the things I'm looking at is this picture, which is very true, right? You're, you're going from 400 users to 800 to adding a new you know, organization, mergers, acquisitions, consolidation. Yep. One of the things that doesn't get enough attention in this type of model is the fact that the, the line can kind of flatten if you need to flatten. Let's say you need to, there's mergers and acquisitions and part of your company goes away or the, uh, you know, Moore's law and your speed of whatever your main bottleneck is, whether it's CPU or disk or memory becomes uh, more capable with less boxes, less servers. Uh, that's one of the nicest things about this is the ability to buy as you need to and that also includes, you know, slowing down your 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 growth acquisition in terms of buying new hardware because the hardware got better and the software got smarter at all at the same time. Right. Yeah. And that's one of those things, too. So with with one of the EHRs out there, the one that, you know, every three years they have to refresh their VDI system no matter what, they may not need to add more nodes to get more users. Just again, depending on what processors that organization is calling out. Yeah. I think we had a situation, I can't remember which company it is recently, where they had bought a bunch of Nutanix and they split up, they broke up and one company went one direction, one went the other, but they both had, they were both able to take some of their Nutanix with them, uh, which made it super easy for them to pull the two companies apart. Yeah, shared custody. Yeah, we, we, we actually had a reverse issue, a reverse here where 
one uh, healthcare provider bought another one and they both happen to have Nutanix. So that was kind of a beautiful thing, but <laughs> beautiful thing. <laughs> An interesting economic ability that I hadn't thought about before. Like you said, Dave, like a must refresh every three years period, you know, that doesn't have to be a big spike in the budget. Like you, yep. you certainly could spread that out and say, well, we're going to buy a third every year and get predictability, right. And still accomplish the mission uh, of no, no nodes older than X uh, in the cluster. Um, but you know, you, in a way you can't really split it up with, you know, traditional infrastructure. Correct. Yes. So. And guys, what we're talking about here is really, um, some of the byproduct of hyperconverge in general, but Nutanix does it better and smarter. Can you kind of highlight on examples of why that is, why you can say that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the first one that they kind of talked through already is being able to run multiple generations of hardware within the same uh, cluster there and, you know, not having the big lift and shift at the end of the life uh, for the nodes that you're replacing, you know, basically combine all of your wonder twin resource powers and uh, start migrating off the old nodes that you don't want anymore. I mean, that's that's definitely a huge one. Is that, a, is that a byproduct of Nutanix truly operating as a software company and not being beholden to hardware driving the top line and, and bottom line numbers at the company? I mean, if you I mean, ask me, yes. <laughs> I think we get a lot of we get a lot a huge tailwind effect out of flexibility. I, I had a customer mm-hmm. who, um, you know, they were ready to purchase. Uh, they, you know, down selected us versus like maybe one other vendor, and uh, at the last minute they sort of unleashed this requirement on us that they had to buy now. They wanted to get the latest and greatest hardware because who wouldn't, but they needed to deploy a vSphere version for their uh, hypervisor that was like two major releases back because they had uh, outsourced management of their virtual environment. vCenter was old and crafty. Uh, it had a lot of hooks in the Citrix environment. It would have been a very complicated upgrade. So they're like, we want latest hardware. We want older, latest hardware, latest AOS, older vSphere. We checked our matrixes real fast. Yeah, that's fine. Go for it. You know, other vendors were more locked down to say, well, if you're buying the latest hardware, latest uh, you know, HCI software, you need to run the latest hypervisor as well. Period. You know, flexibility matters, right? And when you don't have to care about it because we're just software defined and the CVM is just a virtual machine, yeah, we, it lets us be quite flexible. Is do you think that was because of regression testing or just brainwashing that uh, only thing that's going to work here is the latest greatest hardware? Part of it was, I mean, certainly won't deny that, like, we, you know, we don't need a lot of features functionality out of any hypervisor, including AHV, beyond can it power on a VM, right? We don't have to do deep, you know, brain surgery on, and it has to run, you know, like storage code or anything like that, right? It's literally just can it power on VMs? Yes, then it probably can run a pretty good Nutanix cluster. Yeah. Okay. I was giving you a chance to throw them under the bus. You didn't do it. <laughs> I, I like to avoid buses in, in general. <laughs> All right. The uh, the final one um, says VDI performance. Jira, can you explain to Harvey and I what VDI is? I know you're the expert. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you see, uh, you know, some companies like to run, you know, desktop workloads in the data center. Uh, they call it EUC, actually. Wow, is that part of digital workspaces or what? <laughs> you, you guys, have you heard of this company, Citrix? You guys would love it. Yeah. I've yeah heard of- I think I've heard of them. 
<laughs> so this uh, this last section talks about uh, VDI performance and how that benefits greatly from this hyperconverged world um, and specifically around Nutanix. Can you guys give us examples of how you've seen that unfold? Sure. Yes. So actually, uh, one of my customers that's in Idaho, the one that's in Idaho. So what we were able to do is we sat down and we said, okay, so they currently have Nutanix. And we said, and when we built everything out initially, we said, you're going to get between 80 to 100 users per node. And we gave them, you know, these were, they were silver procs, uh, some of the Intel silver procs uh, from G7, uh, from our Gen 7. Uh, and so that'd be Cascade Lake. There we go. So when I started looking at this, I said, you know, why don't we get your node density a little smaller? Let, let, let's go smaller here instead of, you know, taking up 12 nodes on both your production and your DR side. Why don't we just move to these six nodes? Well, how are we going to handle that? And I'm like, well, I'm going to put these gold procs in here. It's more cores first off out of the gate. Second off, they're a lot faster. You're looking at 3.0 gigahertz versus 2.1. Uh, and then you add in more cores, you're getting more throughput. I said, we can fit a lot more users here. So then when it comes time for them to, because they're actually doing a full flip, they're coming from three tier horizon view to Nutanix AHV running Citrix. So for them, this is a full flip. Uh, and this, there's, there's a lot of confidence in this and, you know, everybody, you know, of course, everybody's worried that, oh, I'm going to put this giant target on my back by doing all of this. And they've noticed, you know, oh, we are getting better performance for the most part. Uh, they had some slips, but it was networking. It wasn't even the Nutanix or the Citrix piece. It was on the back end and they were able to find that. But then, you know, to sit here and say, okay, well, we want to move you know, to this, the, the, the faster procs, you know, how many nodes are we going to need? And I'm like, well, you needed 12 before now you only need six. And they're like, oh, so we can get more nodes in our data center and start getting more users on here. And I'm like, yes. So before, you know, where we were saying 80 and they're also moving towards Zen app as well. Uh, some Zen desktop, some Zen app. So they're able to get a little more density with Zen app, of course. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're going to be able to fit a lot more on here. And then you add in the fact that we have EHRs that are doing this, and this is tied to an EHR well, workload, uh, VDI workload. And even, even the EHRs are going, well, yeah, we should be going ZenApp because we can get more density on your nodes. We can make a smaller footprint there. And then when it comes time to say, okay, great. So again, we're adding more users. How many more users? So we had a hundred per node before, and let's say we're adding 300. Okay, you need three more nodes, plain and simple. So help me understand this graph that's in the uh, blog. People listening can't see it. They'll be able to see it when we publish the video later. But uh, on the left-hand side, we've got exception percentage. And then on the right-hand side, we've got workflow count. So what are, what are the blue bars representing? So those blue bars are the exception percentages. So this is Epic specific. Uh, and this graph, luckily, this is three years old or four years old now. Luckily, we have come so far and we have done so much in terms of being able to run Epic. Uh, one, uh, one of the engineers that I work with on a regular basis here at Nutanix, uh, he writes code specifically for Epic within our AOS. Uh, AOS 6.0 has dropped that exception rate exponentially. So exception, is that the delay in the response times? What did, what did my... 
Correct. So anytime that there is a delay in the response time with Epic, you're going to see an exception. So it's going to say, hey, you know, we, we've got an issue here and we want to bring that number down because the less exceptions that they have, um, the less that they're going to be bothered by Epic. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be under a certain percent because if they want to stay on the um, honor roll with Epic, yep. that has to all level out. So it's like a 99th percentile thing, but like more like yeah. 99.99999 if percentile kind of to the extreme. Yeah. So this Correct. is how Epic holds you accountable for creating a performance environment that meets their standards. And then in addition to that, whatever you know, configurations have to happen, but at least this standard has to be met or you get on the naughty list. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to be on their naughty list. No, you do not. And customers never want to be off of Epic Honor Roll because it is a huge discount. Uh, Epic is extremely expensive. It is a wonderful product, but you know, to stay on the Honor Roll, they have to follow certain procedures. Uh, we want to make sure that we keep them on that Honor Roll because they're putting faith in Nutanix. Mm-hmm. So we want to help them stay there. Yeah. Well, we talked about how, like you mentioned, VDI user density, Dave, like, you know, how modern, the latest, greatest CPUs, um, you know, on both sides of the fence, right? Intel and AMD both let yep. us put solutions in front of our customers that sort of have the most headroom for growth, right? As you're looking at like Windows 10 mm-hmm. to Windows 11, then the latest service pack updates, you know, that are, you know, I'm sure they chew up resources for good reasons. I couldn't tell you what those reasons are, but they certainly do chew up resources. The more, you know, we can economically bake in that headroom, letting customers get the benefit of the hardware at, you know, uh, with the same software, like that's just a win-win, right? De-risking that that sort of density and runway. Right. So here's one for you guys. With as much um, difficulty as the EMRs have been to get the stuff running in a virtual environment, and, and they've come around now, right? It's over the last 10, 15 years, they've come around to the point where hyperconverge and uh, Acropolis hypervisor is, is, is well within what they support and what they agree to. Where does this end when you start talking about taking it to the cloud? Let's say, you know, Amazon or excuse me, uh, Nutanix clusters on AWS. Is this type of workload ever going to be able to go there? So it will probably never go to AWS because Azure is the only one that will uh, can truly support HIPAA compliancy. Uh, so everybody is going towards Azure within the healthcare space. So, it's so not once you it's, it's, it's a standards or a. Um, Yes. Uh, it's compliance issues. Correct. So once clusters on Azure is fully functional and we get it out there, mm-hmm. then yes, 100%, we will be able to start utilizing things like Calm to go ahead and start moving those workloads between the two. I mean, if you're running Nutanix clusters on Azure, it's just going to be like another Nutanix cluster just hosted somewhere else. Yep. Uh, then, you know, you can start doing things like Flow. You can start doing things, you know, use files for your PAX deployments for you. For, and for if you're using Citrix, it's going to be for your user profiles. So those are the ways that we can start handling those things. You know, we we currently have a flow deployment going up against, a, we're putting it on top of a full stack EHR for the first time. And, you know, we this is something that we want to see happen because we want to help protect our customers, yeah. uh, especially here in the healthcare space. Well, I guess I overthought that. I mean, in reality, you're going to be running Nutanix on top of bare metal within Azure data centers. There's really no reason why it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense. You're in you're in good company, right? Overcomplicating it in some ways. Like it's it it can be simpler in a good way than a lot of people expect, right? What is it just like what are the benefits of just being able to put a cluster 
on hardware as a service in the quote data center of your choice and get adjacency to native cloud services, right? Um, so yeah, no reason it couldn't work, you know, just cause we're changing like the location or the you know economics of like, how do I get a node? Um, but no, great, great call out Dave around. And yet the cloud you choose to plant that in like mm-hmm. may or may not have other business affecting decisions uh, around like, but I need partners to sign certain kinds of documents or whatever, you know, so I can right. tell other people like I am or have not certain kinds of compliant. No. So guys, we're, we're coming towards the end of this day. We'll, we'll let you kind of bring us home here. Tell us the, the most exciting healthcare, uh, hopefully. Um, but I know you may, how long have you been in the role you're in now? Um, so I've actually been in Nutanix three years, but I've been in healthcare almost a year. Okay. Uh, tell us the best story, the best healthcare customer you've worked with while at Nutanix. What was their, what was their pain point? What was their justification for going Nutanix and how did it turn out? So we have a customer, uh, they are looking to bring, uh, their EHR on-prem and it is a, it is a very, very time intensive labor intensive brain power intensive operation to do so, uh, and, and money as well. Uh, a lot of these EHRs are extremely expensive, but to be able to get in front of them, uh, I was able to. Quick, quick question Get in front of them. Quick question. Is Good. there, is there EHR currently in the cloud? Like, no. The- so there's, there are EHRs that run, uh, can be run community connect. Yep. So basically yep. one vendor will, so, so one healthcare company will have a very large deployment of this EHR of the EHR, and then other people can just tie into it. Is that what they currently um, so, have? Yes, okay. that is what they currently have. Yep. Uh, and they're moving away from that and they're moving towards bringing it on-prem and doing it themselves. And it's very labor and time intensive. And to be able to do that and do it quickly, uh, Nutanix really came in. You know, these, I can tell you, we have people on the team that when we're looking at an EHR opportunity, uh, a lot of times these things take years. We ran this thing from start to finish within three months. Uh, I sat down with them, grabbed one of our hosted POC environments, gave it to them for two weeks, did two workshops with them and got 100% technical buy-in as soon as those two weeks were over. Uh, At that point, it literally came down to, you know, we were up against Dell. And, you know, at that point, it comes down to who's going to do, who's going to make the budget look better, right? So that's what it came down to. And that, that was the part where Luckily for me, I, I wasn't involved in that as much, but it's like, look, you know, we are a superior solution and here's what we're going to be able to do for you. And here's what's going to happen if you stick with the traditional route. Yeah. And, yeah. and they've been able to see how, how well uh, Nutanix is. Re- we really stepped up. Uh, we gave them a lot of help right out of the gate, uh, getting the pre-prod environment stood up. Pre-prod is done and they'll have production online sometime next year. Yeah, I, I love it when you're in the Dell situation because you just tell the customer, you, you don't have to commit to this, but just tell Dell you're kind of leaning in our direction and see how quickly they start trying to sell you our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now, yes. Yeah. Well, guys, I, I appreciate you guys jumping on and going over this. We've got tons of healthcare customers. I've got one I'm thinking about right now that does community for Epic. And uh, I used to beg them to look at Nutanix four and five years ago. I haven't been in that account personally in probably five years. People on my team have. I bet they're running it on Nutanix now. And I bet they bought it from somebody else who finally broke through and convinced them. And all of a sudden it was a good idea. 
Uh, I would be shocked if they're not. Uh, in fact, I'm certain they are. Um, but that's just how it goes, right? Eventually people come around and uh, whether it's the Nutanix uh, software on-premises or in the cloud, you know, a lot of folks are going to see the value of it as, as it evolves for healthcare apps. 100%. So with that, uh, Harvey, anything else before we let you go? Uh, next week, hands-on workshop on the first, please sign up. Hacker.com uh, works uh, website. Yeah, so that's Harvey's uh, monthly Nutanix workshop where he kind of teaches how this all works and shows it off along the way. How many uh, how many registrations do you currently have? Uh, a lot. <laughs> this one is a big one. Is my I guess I should uh, think about this as my Christmas surprise. What is it? So Black uh, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, <laughs> Workshop Wednesday. That's what I'm hearing, right? I I, I love it. I love it. Boom. You, you can have that, buddy, for free. Take that from it. What, what I'm getting at there is we finally got our email campaign marketing thing going again. And uh, I think Harvey has about 75, 80 people signed up for next week's workshop. Yes. True story. A lot Man. of A lot of interest. Uh, Harvey, busy guy. Jaira, I'll let you go next. Uh, no, I'm uh, you know thankful for you all getting to you know, podcast here on a short week for us as it's U.S. Thanksgiving and then back at it next week. You need to let me know where you got your boom for your mic at some point. I need to get one. I'll I'll send you the link. It, oh, and for anybody that cares, it wants a boom mic. It's a Rode PSA one. I tried a lot of cheap uh, Amazon boom mics that had like all kinds of like loud springs that would like pop and so forth. I love this one because I can move it like literally anywhere with zero boom uh, arm noise. Yeah. Springs are all internal, and it works really well. So turns out, get what you pay for, right? Quality products. <laughs> yeah i'm so cheap man i'm so cheap. <laughs> I, see i tried that first i really did <laughs> got a buddy of mine got him doug brown who's involved in this uh vdi space and his comment is he's too poor to buy cheap and he's right <laughs> but i still do it yeah i still do it all the time buy, buy once cry once it so i'm also one of my more expensive hobbies is home espresso right which has no bottom, right? It's not like own a boat bad, but it's pretty bad. And, you know, buy once, cry once is the, the motto of that community. Yeah. Well, I've got a boat and you. you <laughs> and I'm caffeinated. So there we go. Well, Dave, thanks for joining us. Any, uh, any things you want to leave our listeners with? No, um, no, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I hope that more customers will start thinking about Nutanix as they're thinking about their critical workloads on healthcare and, uh, you know, Jaira, I see you and raise you uh, a vinyl collection. Um, <laughs> that was a huge mistake. <laughs> Man, it just it just sounds so much warmer. <laughs> it really does. You can't, you can't put a price on that. <laughs> oh, my. Well, guys, I appreciate it, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you very much. I'm sure I'll be back. Harvey will rope me in, I'm sure. All Better right. believe it. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs>